Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 38 of the Mizog Art Podcast. This week we've got a special treat in store for you. In the name of sound artist Mr. Martin Ware, the founding member of the Human League and Heaven 17. I was late in discovering Martin's sound art. It was three or four years ago when I saw that the National Portrait Gallery were putting on a late night show called Reanimate. Martin co-curated the show and invited several artists along to make sound portraits. It was beautifully billed as a night of sensory stimulation. The National Trust also asked Martin to be a part of their one and all project. He produced a beautiful interactive piece called What Does the Sea Say? which was installed in a typical British beach hut, which he talks about in greater length in this episode. This week has been quite eventful. We've had the Art Car Boot Fair, which was a great success once again. And I was told it's going to be at Margate later in the year, so I'm looking forward to that already. And as I recalled this, today I was invited to and accepted as a board member for the Kersler Trust. It's the biggest prison arts charity in the country, and for years has been very dear to me. They'll be having their annual prison arts exhibition in the Royal Festival later on this year. No doubt I'll let you know more about that nearer the time. And if you haven't already listened to it, go to episode 11, where I speak to Sarah Matave. She tells you all there is to know about the Trust. Getting back to this week, I've spent a bit of time with Martin over the past few years. He's one of those rare people that you meet that seems to have a clear, concise and confident view about pretty much any subject you talk about. And each time I've left him, I've sat on the train in deep thought thinking about our prior conversation. This podcast was recorded upstairs in the Groucho Club. The quietest room we could find was a snooker room. In the background you may well hear the hum of the aircon unit, as well as the commentary of the cricket. We had trouble turning both off, but it doesn't affect the listening quality at all. But let me sneak you into the Groucho to join me and Mr Martin Weir. This afternoon I'm with Martin Weir in the Groucho. Yep. Hi, am I? Hiya. As I'm, I'm going a- to shout. <laughs> yeah, above the aircon <laughs> and the TV that we can't find a remote for. Um, we, as I mentioned to you before, I've got seven questions that I ask each artist. How would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? <clears throat> How would I explain? In case you're wondering, in the background, it's uh, Australia versus England playing <laughs> cricket. We can't find the remote. <laughs> How would I explain to someone who didn't know my work? I'm a sound artist. Um, 
I have been involved. I've started the Human League and still perform with Heaven 17 to this day. I'm a record producer. And then around about 2000, I formed a company called Illustrious, which, uh, which we co-designed some three-dimensional surround sound software. And myself and Vince Clark from Eurasia formed a company to try and exploit the you know, making content for it. Yeah. Since then, I've done about 70 major projects wow. in three-dimensional sound. How would I describe what it is? It's like, um, there are many applications, but um, generally the system itself sounds a, a bit like uh, when you're in a cinema with surround sound, but it's got height axis as well. Yeah. So uh, we, using our technology, can move up to 16 different sounds around uh, sure. in any direction you want. And this gives you the opportunity to create ultra-realistic uh, soundscapes and so we do things everything from kind of world heritage soundscapes a lot of museum work uh, stuff for retail a lot of uh, you know, stuff just purely for artistic reasons yeah. education uh, massive urban interventions I suppose I'll talk about some of these a bit yeah, later yeah. on well the first I, s I knew that you was doing soundscape art was um, it was I found out on the day of the um, the project you had the reanimate in the National Portrait. Yes, Gallery. yes, yes. Um, I wasn't even aware you'd done soundscape art until, and that was only like what was that, three, four years ago. Four years ago, maybe five even. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was for the for the late shift, and the, the, I loved the little quote they gave when they said it was a, a night of sen sensory stimulation. Yeah. How did that come about? Because that was an enormous project. It was. It? Yeah, we. I, I'm very interested in the future of uh, entertainment, really, I suppose, and and how in the future we're looking at um, sound as an undervalued currency, if you like, in the world of immersion. Mm. Um, I really think that um, something like the National Portrait Gallery, I remember going in there and having a light bulb moment going, um, why don't they have sound portraits? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, why does it have to be always somebody drawing or painting or, you know, stuff like that? So I, I went into national. This is me. I don't. <laughs> I don't care. People just say yes or no. I, yeah. I mean, I don't if you care don't either. Ask, way. You don't get if you don't ask, you don't get. So I, I contacted them and said, you know, why don't you have you considered sound portraits? Yeah. Uh, like a kind of experiential atmosphere where you can immerse yourself in the in the sound world of people. Yeah. yeah. And they said, "Oh, that's an interesting idea. Would you be would you be interested in putting together a um, a late night event, um, maybe, to see if we can draw some new audiences yeah. in?" And we ended up with seven and a half thousand people turning nice, up, nice. over half of which they reckon were new visitors. Yeah, uh, we had a bunch of three D sound uh, escape capability uh, kind of equipment, and we asked various sound artists to create content uh, based on they picked uh, uh, their favorite portrait and mm. then they created a soundscape based Super around that Super and um, just to, to kind of put uh, to to create a, a kind of example of what was possible yeah. really and it was massively popular and then I actually went on to do a Picasso based one um, uh, since then at the National Portrait Gallery yeah. which incorporated all sorts of stuff including visual artists, sculptural artists, everything. Uh, that There were uh, 15 different artists involved in that. Um, and again, it, it sold out. So I think there's an enormous public uh, appetite for new forms of um, artistic expression. And sound is... Sound is understood to a certain extent, but it's... Not really a populist. It normally uh, accompanies something yeah, else, yeah. doesn't it? It's normally the bridesmaid, not the bride. Yeah. Uh, when I say, oh God, the, the word populist has got all sorts of <laughs> resonance now. Yeah, uh, I don't mean populist in the, yeah, in the sense. Yeah, I, I, know, yeah. I mean uh, popular. Um, so what I uh, like to describe what we do as is, is um, I call it s uh, sonic muralism. So it's a bit like the kind of Mexican muralists from the early 20th century and the idea of uh, I mean I'm lucky enough to have spent a bit of time in Mexico doing projects uh, it's my favorite country probably and uh, the idea that, that there's an awful lot of artists whose the entire focus of their work is on 
facing the general public and it's not designed mm. for for uh, uh, it's not designed specifically for galleries it's more like uh, uh, public interventions really had a profound impact on me I thought that's what I want to do with sound yeah. so we do a lot of projects um, the, the National Portrait Gallery is in a, in a museum but we do a lot of projects uh, in the outside world in urban environments parks, squares, bridges um, that people just stumble across and I think that turns me on more than anything because that's just your average person with no pre preconceptions stumbling across something that completely changes their perception of their environment. Is it environment. a different mindset from producing music oh, totally. to, to the sound? Totally different mindset. You have to come at it from a completely different angle. We can, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself and, my, and the people I work with in Illustrious, uh, but um, it's more to do with... It's more to do with uh, you. You do deep research to start off with, mm. so it might be for a particular client or a museum or or something. But it's like I, I'm, I'm one of those people like to, like to have all my ducks in a line yeah. before I start working. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was influenced by a friend of mine, um, an artist called Cathy de Monshaw, who you oh, probably course. know about. Yeah. Uh, she's an amazing artist, and I went down to her studio. This was about ten years ago. And uh, I was astonished. Her entire studio was plastered, all the walls plastered with post-it notes and like, half-formed ideas yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And I said, this is incredible. It's like being inside your head. And, and she said, well, what happens is I spend like sometimes a year or 18 months not doing any work, yeah. uh, not actually creating any physical work. But just organising my thoughts, and yeah. I thought, well, that's a bit too extreme for me. But he, he, now, but having said that, I've adopted that as a methodology. Yeah. So, well, when did you first realise that you wanted to go from music, or not go from, but when you wanted to do um, sound as an art form? Um, I, I've always done it. I, I would argue, um, right from the start of the Human League, even before that, we had a, a, a kind of proto band called the Future. Uh, which was basically soundscapes with kind of s sound poetry yeah, yeah. Uh, over the top. I mean, it was pretty out there stuff. Mm. Um, actually, there's an album that's probably available on Spotify if anybody wants to listen to it, called The Golden Hour of the Future. It has been put out since then. And these were like early sketches which went on to, uh, to become the Human League. So we've always approached it from an artistic point of view because, not because we went to art college or uh, it's a bit like you, I suppose, yeah, yeah. you know, we've grown into this world because we love artistic expression in all its forms. So even the, the early Human League shows are, uh, were, were multimedia shows. We had uh, uh, Kodak Carousel slide projections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the first thing that, when we first got signed to, um, to Virgin in 1979, the first thing we did was put out an EP of abstract electronic um, music based on the return of Yuri Gagarin from oh, space wow. yeah, yeah. called Dignity of Labour. Wow. Um, again, you can hear this online. Uh, and it was a bit of a fuck you to the record company yeah. not fuck you we just signed with them yeah. but you know it was like putting a stake in the ground going to show them your stance yeah, yeah. to show yes we, we want to be successful as a pop act but we uh, uh, in, in a parallel universe yeah. we yeah. would be doing this uh, purely artistically driven mm. thing and we intend to continue that and since then it's been a continual theme even though I've been very fortunate enough to work with some of the greatest artists on earth as a producer and so my name has appeared as a producer uh, on 60 million records but what I'm saying is that the artistic side, the, the kind of purely driven artistic side has informed and made the extra 10% that makes people yeah, come to yeah, me yeah. as a producer that I believe the, the, the stuff where we're not, I've not earned any money out of has actually enabled me to earn money in a different yeah. way. And uh, vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah, it, which is quite an interesting lesson for young people yeah. to understand the thing. Well, after I saw that at the National Portrait Gallery, 
I wanted to contact you because I was doing face value two at the time. Well, face value two was just just got the go ahead. So um, if you remember, I contacted yeah. you to see if you'd be able to be um, a part of face value two because we had a nice little room in the gallery yeah. that I was getting. It turns out that we we moved away from that gallery and went elsewhere. Yeah. But um, what I saw, I, and I only saw it online, was your piece you done with the National Trust for yes. One and All. Yes. Which was, abs- I ain't saying it just because you're here, it was a beautiful little, yeah, thank you. beautiful little thing. Well, that's a perfect called, example. What does the sea say? Yeah, what does the sea say? Well, it's a perfect example of, um, of this kind of public-facing art. Yeah. Um, I was approached by the National Trust... Uh, and an organisation called Sound UK who was working for them. And uh, they said, would you be interested in helping us with this, uh, an artistic interpretation of the sounds of the sea? And I'm going, yeah, sounds good. But I thought, what am I going to do? Stand there with a you know, a microphone and record, <laughs> yeah, yeah, record yeah. the sea. Uh, however interesting that is, it's got limited appeal. Of course. And then I thought, well, being very, you know, I've been doing the art circuit for 20 Years now, and I know for a fact one of the biggest problems for sound artists is that um, you've got to have a photo opportunity. Mm. So if if it's just an abstract soundscape, the photo opportunity is me standing with a microphone by the sea. And I thought that's not that's no. a bit boring. So I came up with the idea of um, I had a kind of light bulb moment, saying what I want to do is some kind of interactive work where I ask people. Uh, I form a mechanism where we can, I can ask people what their memories of the sea are or what their fondness is for the seaside or maybe not memories, current impressions mm. so I thought, I know, we'll get a beach hut and yeah. um, we'll, we'll get a, 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 a piece, we'll design a piece of software uh, where people can go and just press a big red button and record their memories of the sea or mm. their thoughts mm. and then we'll take those recordings, pick the best ones put them into a soundscape which actually in this case ended up in Somerset House yeah. but what really appealed to me about it is firstly we gave people sharpies so they could, they could graffiti on the inside yeah, yeah, nice. which is nice so if they didn't feel competent enough to do the recording secondly it already had a, already had a soundscape playing inside so with some examples of the sort of things that you might want to say yeah. or, or the, you know, so it gave people the confidence so as soon as they pressed the button it faded down they could record their thing and then as soon as it went quiet, it would fade back up again. Mm. So we ended up with a lot of people going, hey, what's this button do, Dad? <laughs> and, uh, and, Pete, and somebody going, oh, you know. And, yeah, so, of yeah, of course, you of edit course. all that stuff out and you end up with some amazingly poignant things like one old lady came by. And because there's nobody invigilating it, mm. it's just an open door saying, please come in. And it says, what does the sea say? And a window looking at the sea. Nice. That's it. Yeah. And, pre, and, and, a, and an arrow pointing to the button. Mm. Please, please press, yeah. it says. Right. So this old lady came in. One of the things was like, uh, this was in Siam in um, the northeast coast. Uh, it used to be the black beaches where they used to put the waste from the nearby mines oh, on yeah, the beach. Yeah. They've cleaned it all up now. But beautiful part of the world. Amazing. Just south of Redcar. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, this old lady... Uh, one of the things she recorded... I mean, she's on her own in this thing on a promontory. On a, You know, it's like where they walk dogs, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not on a main drag. And she said, well, I used to bring my... Uh, that was a terrible accent. <laughs> Forgive me. I used to bring my... Uh, I used to come here on Sundays and look at my, uh, my husband in the boat. I'm going to stop doing the accent yeah. now. In the boat. Um, just out to sea, he used to go there on Sundays, his only day off, with a bunch of beers and his mates, and just moor, like, 50 50 yards out, and just get blind drunk, right? And then come back at tea time. So it was his version of a shed, you know, or going to the working men's club. And, and, you know, he said he died, like, you know, 10 years ago, and I miss him so much. So these kind of, and then these memories, and the bet, but the funniest one, and this is worthy of a podcast if ever there was, in in Seam again, it was this uh, guy had obviously gone in walking a dog with his, it was like a granddad with his uh, five-year-old daughter, six-year-old daughter or something. She was going, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this? I said, oh, you've got to leave your memories. 
And he goes, go on then, tell him your memories. Because he was too, he was too embarrassed to leave his own. So he was getting his daughter, his granddaughter, to do it. And uh, it just made me he's laugh. Got a limited amount made, of memories. Yeah, yeah it's good. <laughs> she should have said, I don't have any memory, granddad. I watched telly yesterday. But uh, anyway, very poignant stuff. Some funny, some uh, well, serious. There was a section that you could listen to online. And um, you could the, the piece I was listening to, you could hear, it was like their memories were like your memories because they was coming in and yeah. out from all different That's angles. exactly it. It's like, you can listen to There's it online. because it's scene in... noises in the backgrounds of people walking on pedals. Exactly. So it's like, um, we rendered it in binaural, so it's kind of 3D headphones. Yeah. So you can get a sense of the spatiality Definitely. and it feels like you're at the seaside. And I like the idea that it was travelling and it was inland as well, wasn't yeah. it? As well as being, uh, so that you could, you know, you could be in the middle of Birmingham and you could be at the seaside, you yeah. know, and you could hear it and, you know, at some point you're even sure that you can bloody smell it as yeah. well, you know. Well, this is, I believe we're all synesthetic, aren't yeah. we? So the point being that um, it's just my, my entire career in pop, this is what, this is the commonality of the soundscape world and the pop world and the production world and the writing world is... The one guiding principle I have is to emotionally affect people. Definitely. If it doesn't emotionally affect them, that's my litmus test. Mm. If it doesn't emotionally affect me, uh, I don't mean in a sentimental way. No, no. Uh, I mean, but it has to have some emotional reaction. It yeah. has to provoke a reaction in some way, um, and that is it. Uh, that is the um, that is the litmus test that yeah, I use for everything I do. If it doesn't you know, provoke a reaction, it might as well just be lift music, elevate music. Precisely, and that is a very delicate balance, because sometimes it can drift into that yeah. with ambient stuff, you know. That's why I say, to, you know, when, when I use the word ambient, uh, people often think it's like whale song in a spa, yeah, yeah. you know. Or I'm going, no, it's not, it's not that. So it needs to engage you. Our, our soundscapes need to engage you experientially, in other words, you don't need to understand anything about it. Yeah. It could be any language, any you know, any ethnicity, yeah. any age. Um, it just gives someone's own imagination a little. Nudge, it gives it, it a. a, a, a it's like, I regard it as a carrier <coughs> signal for for the cognitive side, oh, which is the which is often speech. Yeah, yeah. There you Superb. go. Superb. And we did try to do something along similar lines which I definitely still want to do because <laughs> um, that was a be- I won't go into that but that was a beautiful little idea that we had um, for a face value show or something else in the future um, in place of war yes I know you don't sort of make any work for that but there was a beautiful little thing where um, I just sparked up a little relationship with you when we met a, a few times yep um, and then um, another guy, Aaron Shrimpton, um, he contacted me about a group that he'd just come across called Girl, which is... Yeah, they, they're associated with them. Um, and he said to me, come down and see them. Uh, they're doing this thing for a charity. Um, he's a film producer. Yeah. Um, me and, I don't know if you... Uh, do you know Riker, the graffiti artist? Yeah, I've heard um, yeah. As He's very good friends with um, Aaron. Um, so he got me and um, Riker to sort of try and put on a... Uh, an exhibition to support these, uh, this group who were doing something for this charity. So I said, well, what, what's the charity's name? What's it about? So he's gave me the name of the charity, which was in, peace of, in place of war. So I started looking into it, and lo and behold, your face pops yeah. up, which I thought, thought was a... a yeah. I thought, well, that's, you know, it's, it's yeah. sort of aligned for that. Yeah. Um, what, are, are you the ambassador for... Yeah, uh, so when it first started, it was quite... It started at the University of Manchester... As a, as a kind of research project almost, um, with, a, with a good heart. And then Ruth Daniel got involved, who's the kind of in charge of it all really now. Um, and she's like a, a force of nature. She's just kind of made it grow and grow and grow. And they got more and more funding from various places. Um, not commercial, I mean yeah. multinational funding. Is to create you know, artistic interventions in war-torn areas for young people to try and give them a sense of hope and, a, and an escape route. And so I've travelled around the world with them to places like 
Palestine and uh, Brasilia and you know the favelas <clears throat> in Brazil and um, uh, uh, did a project in a place called Macacoba just outside Bulawayo in uh, Zimbabwe uh, where we got local uh, hip-hop artists uh, who had not got shoes let alone yeah, any kind of yeah, recording yeah, equipment yeah. and we set up an impromptu recording studio with a couple of laptops and an impromptu vocal booth and a microphone <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and recorded an album in a week with the local Super. artists and some of those artists have gone on to travel around the world go to festivals it's given them the confidence to yeah. to stretch out and do their thing and um, that's the uh, and so as the as in place of war goes some different places around the world they get more possibilities for networking between the different mm. locations and it's really something but the one that had the biggest impact on me was Palestine to be honest um, broke my heart seeing what was going on there yeah. um, I'm a humanitarian um, I am not uh, I don't have any hold any uh, allegiance with any political uh, I do in this country I'm a socialist but you know I'm an internationalist mm. um, and I, I just can't bear to see people suffering and uh, the Palestinian people are, are really having a very incredibly tough time and we only get shown such a limited amount on, on our news and in our newspapers don't we yeah well they, they were, it was interesting I was up in Bolton recently doing a, a talk and uh, I got back to the hotel room late on and the local news was on and they said this old age pensioners uh, club had just been to Palestine the Holy Land you know the yeah, yeah, Holy yeah, Land yeah, yeah. trips so they went to Jerusalem they went to Bethlehem and they went to you know they went via Tel Aviv and everything and and uh, they'd got they got invited. These, these old ladies, who clearly are completely not <laughs> uh, any kind of politicians yeah. or you know activists or anything, came back and uh, they thought they were just going to talk about the nice time they had. And they just spent <laughs> they spent half an hour talking about the horrors they yeah, witnessed. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. good. So this word this word needs to spread. I mean, and if anyone goes there for a holiday, no, uh, you're not going there for no. a holiday. If you well, if you want to feel like you're. Uh, under threat for some, uh, from some uh, security forces high on amphetamines uh, uh, with conscript, conscripted um, uh, young people with uh, automatic machine guns at the gates. And Go little, for it. It's, it's, the, it's the edgiest place I've ever visited. Yeah. I've visited a lot of edgy places in the world. I come from Dagenham. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, mate. This beats Dagenham. <laughs> I could well imagine. I, this beats going to watch Millwall. Um, anyway, but the point the point is that you can do good in these places. So we shipped out um, a whole bunch of um, of redundant uh, musical equipment, including actually the they they were renewing the equipment in Ronnie Scott's club, and they sent out all their oh, old PA and mixing desk and everything. It took two and a half years before the Israeli authorities would allow, would allow it in. Take them with a fucking bomb out of here. Well, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Anything to deprive them. I, and it, no, it's just psychological warfare. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, another question. That more question. Suppose I'll four. get accused of being an anti-Semite <laughs> for saying all this. I don't give a fuck. I'm yeah. definitely not an anti-Semite. Which, um, well. Anti-Israel. Well, I'm not even anti-Israeli. I'm all for is- Israel. I just think they've got to stop expanding. Yeah. Just be content with what you've got. It's like the it's like the victim perpetrate it, 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 victimhood of the state perpetrate perpetrating equivalent evil upon other people. Yeah. And, and and the justification is obviously they're protecting their interests, but it's not. No. I've seen it in action. It's definitely not. No, and it's been condemned by the United Nations and ed- every right-minded person on earth, frankly. Apart from Trump. <laughs> God help us. Let's not go there. God help um, us. Um, which piece that you've created do you hold most dear? Oh, that's a good um, question. Um, that's a very good question. Um and I'm, I'm obviously bringing music into this. Oh as well, God, I've done. So, I mean, literally, I put out a a ten seed, uh, a ten hour set about six, seven years ago yeah. uh, on mute. 
of stuff that had never even been published before. I must have done 50 hours of stuff since then. I don't know where you'd start. I mean, the thing, I suppose the project I'm most proud of is uh, to actually go and do a world premiere on the stage at the Royal, Royal Opera House. It was pretty nice. special with the Royal Ballet. Yeah. That uh, with 3D sound, I managed to persuade him to put a full rig in the actual yeah. place, and I'm going. I don't know how you, you know, I, the thought that your name is going to be in like this register that they have yeah. for all these famous, oh, together they? with Stravinsky and wow. you know, and and you know all these famous people and having roses thrown at yeah. you. And yeah. I just, you know, I'm not. I, I am not an establishment person. It's not to do with that. It's to do with people who have dedicated their lives to the finest form of a particular art form. And you're standing on the same platform. And I'm, I, work, I work with them, not just that, I work with them collaboratively over, over six months to yeah. make the piece. So part of the rehearsals, etc, etc. So that is the thing I'm most proud of. And it's probably the thing that made the least money, you know, it didn't make, it's not connected with that. No, no. Well, the things that are dear to your heart normally don't involve your yeah. pocket do they you know yeah um i know you work extremely hard and too many hours but what do you do to relax football love football and who would that be sheffield uh, sheffield wednesday i think i i'm i thought she said sheffield. i know so, uh, i know <laughs> give you the no, choice sheffield the wednesday is, uh, i've got two season tickets one for me one for my son we get to as many games as we can um i'm I've been historically quite involved with the club. I, I actually helped form the original Sheffield Wednesday Supporters Trust nice. when it looked like we were going to go into liquidation um, in uh, about 20 years ago. Um, so I've always, yeah, uh, it, it's it's a major part of my life. Um, I love football, but I mean, I love the arts in general. I mean, I, I don't know if I ever, if I it's a rare thing but if, if I ever have a day off I don't know what to do with myself <laughs> I, I, I just go, I just try and I just try and clock up as many galleries as possible Tw to try and get some new stimulation yeah. for the following day when I've got to do some work yeah. you know that because work isn't work to me it's, it's pleasure I'm very lucky superb I do have a question here because most of my um, people I speak to are um, visual artists there is a question. It's you and five others, past and present, what would your perfect group show be? Um, group show? Where, well, the condition would be that I could obviously show some of my sound work off. But, uh, but So I, if I could be one of the artists, but also I could persuade them to use sound in their work. So, uh, Cathy de Moncha, Perfect. Uh, who I've already done some sound work with, uh, while she was showing her physical she work. She wrote to me when I was in prison. She's amazing. She's Cathy's brilliant. an amazing person. I'm. I've done. I've uh, done some work since I last saw you with an artist called Zarina Bimji, who's uh, has had her work shown in most of the major galleries. Uh, B H I M J I. That is uh, Zarina, and uh, she's really good. So, um, I. The, in terms of the artists, uh, you know, is this past or present? Both. Both. Either. Frida Kahlo. Perfect. Uh, I think she she definitely get into the whole yeah. sound thing. And um, Mexico. Yeah. Salvador Dali. And. Could you imagine music he'd create? Oh yeah. Well, he did. I think. <laughs> did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he did. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I I think he did. And also, you know, I, did, I told you I did that Picasso show. Yeah. Um, uh, so I did a lot of research about Picasso. Did you know he gave up painting completely for for a couple of years to do poetry? I didn't. And, and write plays? No. Yeah, that, they weren't very good. That's why he gave it up. <laughs> That's why he went back to, yeah. to pottery and painting. Yeah, only he wasn't getting anywhere, anywhere with it. But it shows his artistic kind of daring. Yeah. Um, so I suppose Picasso as well. Nice. Good bunch. They're not, it's not a boring bunch, is it? No, none whatsoever. <laughs> none whatsoever. If you wasn't an artist, what would you be? What would you like to uh, be? Probably a graphic designer. Yeah. yeah. Or an architect. 
And where do those... Were, were that just off the cuff or just things that you've had a slight interest in over no, the I've years? No, I've always been interested in, in graphic design in particular. Mm. I even designed our first sleeves. You yeah. Um, Had no training. Never went to art college. Can't draw to save my life. Uh, dabbled in painting. It's terrible. Um, just, I really like graphic design. I've always really liked, say, poster design. Mm. I think it's a massive and, and kind of paperback cover design yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Things that point at the public uh, rather than, you know, to sell in galleries or mm. whatever. What were you saying that you can't? I'll get back to being an artist again, aren't I? <laughs> you can't draw or I can't help it, sorry. I like seeing um, when guys, you see guys with a big board or a tray and they, they put um, maybe glitter on it and then they, they'll have the bow of a violin and run it down the side and it goes into perfect... Oh, you mean uh, I, I uh, cymatics? Oh, it's called cymatics. That's a beautiful where, where, Have you seen the ones where they have the tray of sand yeah. and they put a oh, bass beak underneath, underneath and they change the frequency, yeah. And it just cymatics. Takes, who'd think that it'd come out like that? I think the delineation between science and art is artificial. I've always thought that. I do. I mean, music is 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 science, is is mathematics, is art. Mm. I mean, it's like the the um, sacred geometry. Yeah. yeah. Of uh, the Fibonacci sequence yeah. could be easily be translated into music, and Bach understood all this stuff. You know, his amazing. Uh, Things like the Goldberg variations and, and, and you know the the, the well tempered clavier and the, they they are mathemat pieces of mathematical genius mm. and there's a there's a book that had a massive influence on my life probably the most influence the most yeah influential book on my life uh, ever is called um, Girdle. Uh, Escher and Bach, the the Eternal Golden Braid, uh, by a, 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 an author called Douglas Hofstetter. It sounds quite esoteric. <laughs> a lot of it is quite esoteric, but ba- the basic uh, theme behind it. He used to write um, kind of opinion, uh, witty opili- uh, opinion, but also some serious stuff columns for Scientific American. And he, uh, this book is kind of like an agglomeration of, of, of his writings. And it, the central premise of the entire book is that art is mathematics, mm. is beauty, is science. That the major uh, advances in science rely upon a certain... Uh, what, what people regard to be the epiphanal moments... Yeah, yeah are largely because a lot of the people who are genius scientists or regarded as such were in fact autistic or or had some kind of artistic insight into mm. the scientific process just a creative mind. just which which kind of created a step change to another level mm. of understanding and you know this probably comes back to me you know taking a huge amount of psychedelic <laughs> drugs when I was young uh, but I think he did you know not a huge amount, actually, but enough to to uh, open the doors done. of perception, shall we say? Yeah. And um, and which enables you to understand the the beauty that's all around us. I mean, you know, I regard art's function as being like you know cleaning the windows of perception. Nice, yeah. You know, you. you there's nothing more thrilling than coming out of a show, or a or a piece of cinema, or you know, uh, and and seeing the world in a different way. I know the effect wears off. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. Sometimes no, it, it stays, stays with you yeah. forever. But that is the to me the function of art. Music, not just visual art. Music, cinema, you name it. Uh, you know, even in sacred sacred uh, art, sacred music. Yeah. You know, what do you think a cathedral is? It's there, it's there as a kind of... Uh, it's to provide a sense of communal joy in the, mm. in the sublime, isn't it? And so, you know, I'm really not religious, but I love churches for that reason. I love... There's a great book called... Oh, God. Dancing in the Streets. Um, and it's about this idea of... You know, uh, it's, a, it's a history of 
of the manifestation of communal joy for humanity yeah, nice. around the world and in history. And again, that had a big influence on me as well. And I think, you know, basically, so I'm just like a, a foot soldier in this battle to, to try and improve the, the, the people's perception of the world. Well, with that in mind, your recent project, Forest of the Imagination. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an annual event. I'm just one of the artists involved in it um, that takes place in Bath. It's some friends of mine from a, a company called Grant Associates who are like urban planners, master planners. And uh, I, met them, um, I met Andrew Grant actually in Singapore. And he, he was, his company was responsible for master planning and getting together those amazing uh, super trees in, yeah. in oh, the yeah. garden, yeah. Garden, uh, gardens by the bay. Wow. And those, oh, it's just mind-bending. Anyway, yeah. I was going to be doing some work out there because uh, it's a bit like the Eden Project. They've got different biomes uh, and stuff and I was going to do some recreation of the sound of different, uh, different biomes around the world and all that stuff. Anyway, it never came to pass, but we became friends. And uh, he said, Would, you know, there's this project, there's no money in it. <laughs> yeah. uh, called Forest of Imagination this was three years ago but it's for children and it's to beautify the centre of Bath I said well the centre of Bath generally doesn't need beautifying yeah, that much anyway, yeah. um, and, and anyway so um, this is the third year and I've just done the latest iteration and it's in the gardens behind the Holborn Museum uh, and it's only on for a weekend which is a tragedy but this year's was amazing so I got my son Gabriel Ware to compose a piece for me based on uh, inspired by youth and by old age two pieces about seven minutes each orchestral pieces mm. so he's an orchestral composer and I had this idea uh, in my experience the simple ideas are the ones with the most resonance for the yeah. public because they can populate it with their own meaning yeah. then. so uh, the idea was um uh, I thought I'd come up with a fancy title first. Uh, um, everything old is new again. So the idea, what I wanted to do was to uh, get, is to interview old people, uh, nice. uh, give them a series of questions like, you know, what's your favourite thing? What makes you angry? Very simple questions. Record their answers. So we've got about seven or eight of those. Ask the same questions of uh, young youngsters like five and six to 12, say. And then get the old people to, to read the young people's replies oh, nice, and the young people nice. to read the old people's replies as an intergenerational piece of provocation. Mm. And it was spectacularly successful. Is I've it? got a copy of it, actually. If you want to... I'd love to. Yeah, listen, if you want to include parts of it in the podcast, <coughs> you're more than welcome. Just remind me afterwards, and okay. I'll send you a link. Um, it's I'm so proud of it. It sounded amazing in three-dimensional sound. In the in the it was in like this uh, semi-secluded, like secret bit of the of the park, nice. uh, which looked like oh, can I go in? Can I not? But there's this amazing thing happening in there, and uh, fortunately, the people from the arts council were there and everything, and they were absolutely blown away by it. And uh, so I think. They've struggled with virtually no funding for God knows for the last three years. Yeah. I th fingers crossed. I hope they're going to get some. Uh, they're going to get uh, uh, continually funded. And will it be stages. able to move around in different places? Well, this is the beauty of the work that we do. So once the work is done, it's done. Yeah. All you need. It can is be reconfigured yeah. in any shape or form, any size, any gallery, outdoors, anything. It exists in a form which is reconfigurable. Mm. So. Uh, as I was saying to you earlier, if you come across any opportunities to restage this, the work is done. It's just a matter of putting a few speakers in somewhere. Beautiful. And also, it's free to listen to online. Yeah. So if you want, as part of the podcast, uh, I don't know, you, you have a website, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as part of the pod podcast, you can put the link up yeah, there and people can in, hear it in, in full. In the four notes, yeah. And it's in binaural, so it's like, it's immersive on headphones. Yeah. I love this idea. There's no money in this anyway. So, the one, one of the great things about not being any money in, <laughs> in any yeah, of this is you might as well give it away for free. And 
So I'm just interested in getting it out to as many people as yeah. possible, you know. What have you got? Have you got anything coming up at the moment? Um, have I got anything coming up? Yes, currently on until September the first. There's uh, an amazing exhibition at the Foundling Museum. Oh, beautiful place! Um, where they have uh, an incredible Hogarth painting called the March of the Guards to Finchley. Yeah, yeah. It's just a room, like twice the size of this room, with the painting on that wall. Yeah, it's about twice the size of this room. And um, beautifully illuminated with a bench in front. And we've created a three-dimensional soundscape animating all the characters in the painting oh, nice. and the atmosphere in 3D. Is it on at the moment? Yeah, it's beautiful. There are, there are some booths down the side which give kind of... which expand the... You know, it's, it's like giving the context for everything. Yeah. So it's like readings from different writers at the time that on headphones and stuff as well. So you get context as well. But the experience... Can you imagine this, right? So, the, the launch, there's two benches that can hold about five people each, but there were like 25 people stood there looking at that, like there's a TV screen in the room here, but looking at the, that as though it's a TV screen yeah. or a film they're watching, sat there for 15 minutes <laughs> looking at a static yeah, painting. Yeah, not moving. When is that ever going to happen? But it's moving in their mind, Yeah, it's moving it? in their mind because of the soundscape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, th that in itself is an achievement. Is it, it shows the engaging capability of significant content. I'm only presuming that the voice is in your mind. You're, you're trying to pinpoint them to the character. Yes, but the thing is, what we did was we looked at the painting... So, obviously, you know, Hogarth's paintings are yeah, incredibly yeah. busy and noisy. This is where the idea came from. They contacted me and said, our curators have always had this theory that his paintings are, are full of noise. Because if you actually, actually look at the characters, they've always got their mouth yeah, open. Yeah. They're always playing an instrument or somebody's shouting or... Well, in dogs this, barking. Yeah, yeah, dogs barking or well, cats on the roof <laughs> or whatever. So, like, in this painting, we kind of deconstructed it in 3D. In the background, you've got people marching off to war up the hill to Finchley, because it's at the end of Tottenham Court Road where it's set, this painting. So you're looking up Hampstead Road to Finchley. Uh, you've got a, a boxing match in the middle distance on the left. You've got, you've got, a, 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 you, you've got a, a hall house on the right-hand <laughs> side with all the, uh, all the ladies calling down to the soldiers. Yeah. Loads of soldiers, uh, people nicking stuff off each other. Uh, one soldier groping a woman. You've got you you've got um, you've got uh, it's an allegorical painting. So the left hand side of the painting is the are the goodies yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. the and the right hand side are the are the bad Jacobites. You know, trying to put people off. You've got spies <coughs> in there. So what we did was we got voiceover artists to voice all these characters and imagine, and we did it with um, a specialist curator. Uh, who's written one of the definitive texts on Hogarth. Um, and she also was um, dialogue advisor for the the film that came out recently, the Mike Lee film, yeah, Peter yeah, Lou. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to make sure the tone of voice and the kind of language they used was completely authentic yeah. from the time. So it's got things like, unhand my diddy! <laughs> and things... And, and uh, oh, madam, you know it's like uh, oh, it's just amazing. We've got sound of boxing match going on. We've got is it on there daily? Yeah, yeah. excellent. It's like it just loops round and round and round all the time. You can stay there as long as you want. It's really worth going to see. And it's on until the first, uh, first, September. first September. It closes. Excellent. Yes. Are you online social media? Oh yeah, um, just search for Martin Ware with a Y. Martin with a Y. W A R E uh, on. Um, on Twitter, just Martin Ware, and uh, on Facebook, you can follow me, and uh, Instagram if you want, I don't use that so much, but um, my website is illustriouscompany.co.uk, that's, uh, yeah, that's where all the significant stuff is, yeah. you can see a history of all the stuff we've done. Yes, minus all my questions and more. Good. So thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. There you go. Martin Ware from Human League and Heaven 17. Superb. And I must say, thank you to the Groucho. I love meeting up with Martin.
As I mentioned in the intro, you always walk away with plenty to think about. And before I forget, the project that he was talking about, Everything Old is New Again, will have a link in our show notes. So scroll through, copy and paste, and have a listen. But Heaven 17 and Squeeze are touring as from the start of July. And Martin has kindly given me a couple of tickets to go and see the show at the Indigo in O2 on the 8th of November. But for further dates and venues, just go over to Google and type in Heaven 17 Tour or Squeeze Tour. And if you remember, Martin spoke of Kathy DeMoncho earlier in this episode. Since recording this, Martin has contacted Kathy and she has agreed to be the feature of an episode herself. So as I say every week, whichever platform you happen to be listening on this podcast, there should be somewhere where you can like, subscribe or leave a comment. If you're able to do all three, that'd be great. And sharing on social media is always favourable. So that's me done. Until next week, ta-da. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.